Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Copy Corner presented by copyforeverybody.com and draftedcontent.io. This episode is a live episode with fellow friend and copywriter Jacob McMillan. We wanted to bring Jacob on to talk about his SEO strategy because if you look up copywriter, how to become a copywriter, Jacob's content will show up on page one. So listening to this interview and this conversation, I have a feeling you'll be motivated to create your own content, to promote your services, to bring traffic to your website, maybe even join a community, create a community. So if you want to create valuable and targeted content and make it seem doable, this is a great episode to listen to. A lot of great advice. Had a lot of fun with Jacob. So enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a live episode of The Copy Corner with your host, Terry Schilling. And Dan Marzullo. And yes, and if you are watching live, you can see here, and I'm sure you've read the subtitles and all the headlines of what we're going to be talking about on this episode today. But we got Jacob McMillan here to talk about how do you get so good at SEO? But Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, we were just joking. It does feel like a Neil Patel like webinar or like just some like, I don't know, how do you get so good at SEO? It just seems a little corny, but I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I've we've, I've hung with Jacob before online. I feel like this is, a, this is suitable for our conversation today. Get good. <laughs> yeah, get good. How get to really get well. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But honestly, like, I feel like the title, it's so interesting. It fits, it fits why we want to talk to you and brought you on you know, because we were talking again right before that, like you look up how to become a copywriter, copywriting, you know, Jacob McMillan stuff shows up there. You know, he has the course, he has free articles and you put a lot of work into it. Um, we just wanted to dive into a little bit of your strategy um, and then answer some other, you know, just ask some questions and riff about, you know, getting good at SEO, especially as a solo business owner, which I think is really, really hard for a lot of people. Yeah, that's a whole nother yeah. challenge, right? It's not, you don't have this giant team behind you, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those watching who also don't have a giant team behind them, hopefully uh, <laughs> what I say will be, you know, actually relevant, not like, hey, you know, just just uh, hand it over to your your full-time, you know, uh, <laughs> strategist and your 10-person writing team and have, you know, have them take care of it. Easy peasy. <laughs> it's as simple as that, right? Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what was what was like your first big piece that got ranked on page one of Google, the coveted page one? Hmm. So I think the first time I had like the first my first SEO success was ranking for the term professional copywriter. Um, hmm. It was like the first business related term I tried to rank for. And essentially what I did is I just I just did some on page targeting. Um, on yeah. my, I don't remember if it was my homepage or, um, like a, my basic service. I think it was my, ba I think I threw up like a service page and okay. I made the URL, you know, jacobmcmillan.com backslash professional copywriter. Um, and then I just like, I was doing a lot of guest posts and a lot of, um, a lot of like paid writing assignments for business and marketing and finance blogs. And so I would just, I would throw you know, in my byline, Jacob McMillan is a professional copywriter and hyperlink that to this page. Um, oh, nice. And after doing that for a couple months, I started to show up, you know, and like got up to, I think, the number one spot for a professional copywriter. And that felt really cool. 
which was then immediately followed by realizing it was a little more of a party trick than like an actual lead lead <laughs> generator. <laughs> because yeah. as much as it was cool to be like, hey, Google professional copywriter, it's me. Like people who are hiring <laughs> copywriters weren't Googling professional copywriter really a whole lot and then hiring the person that they clicked on. Um, so like I, I, I did start to get a few leads through that, but um, I realized like, professional copywriter just wasn't wasn't really the right term to rank for um and so that sort of i had had i had had some other experiences of trying to rank for stuff and then ranking for things that didn't actually do anything for me or the you know the blog i was trying to rank it for and so that kind of got me thinking man like i i feel like i have some tools to rank for something. I just need to figure out what I'm supposed to rank for. And so I started really digging into keyword research and trying to understand that. And learning keyword research to this day, I think is the most frustrating thing I've ever, <laughs> I've ever gone through the process of learning. Um, I'm trying to learn Spanish right now. I think at the end of the day, mm. that'll kick my ass more than keyword research did. But, um, yeah. uh, but it, it, you know, up to this point, like, I think what it was is just trying to learn keyword research. You read all these articles and they make sense. It seems pretty straightforward, but at the end of the day, you're, you're sitting down and you're staring at a bunch of data from these keyword tools and trying to make sense of all this data when like it's all contextual, you know, and you don't have the context. So you're looking, you look up a keyword and you see all these numbers and it's like, yeah the fuck do these numbers mean? <laughs> and yeah. then like you look up another keyword and the numbers are completely different. And it's like, so this one, like the most traffic in this niche is a thousand words per month. And then this one, it's 200,000 words. Like, what does that mean? What does that tell me about anything? What are my actionable takeaways from this? And so for me, learning SEO is kind of like a, a one year learning keyword research in particular was like a one year process of constantly looking at these numbers, constantly trying to rank for stuff and then evaluating what the actual end benefit of ranking for it was, how quickly I ranked for it. Um, and you, it, it's just kind of like you learn over time as you're consistently looking, watching the numbers and then actually making an effort to rank for stuff and comparing the results you start to get a feel for what the numbers mm. mean. And that's the best way I can describe it. You just build this feel over time to where now when I sit down and I look at these numbers, I can I can throw out a bunch of predictions that usually end up being pretty accurate. Um, and I have a I have a really like strong sense of what everything means, but there was kind of no there was no shortcut to that. I just I just sort of had to um, one analogy I like to use with SEO and sometimes marketing in general is just, you know, banging your head against a brick wall until like, yeah. <laughs> either your head or the wall. Um, I feel like that's what it was. It was just like banging my head until something started to crack. And <laughs> who knows which one it was, but I seem to be getting some good results. So. That is too funny. Uh, from that like trial and error process, then have you kind of identified any themes that are like always true that you kind of break out? that you would uh, offer up as advice for other solopreneurs trying to tackle this? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the big, the big conceptual theme um, is the people who take the mantra of creating the best resource available for any given search intent um, are the people who win. 
Like the, mm. whoever's taking that mantra of what do people want to see here and how can I give them the best possible, you know, result for what they're looking for when, and some people do that by throwing a lot of money out of it, at it. A lot of people throwing a lot of money at it, they're throwing a lot of money at a lot of different terms. And so if you just come in and take, a, a, if you just take it more seriously for any specific term, you can, you know, I've, I've, I've outranked like hundred million plus dollar companies that are throwing massive budgets at SEO, just because like they have a whole team and they're, when, when you have a big team and a big budget, it's SEO is more about, more about building systems to get solid content out across a wide range of keywords than it is really like tackling in a specific piece. So most of the big teams out there with the big sites bringing in millions and millions of views, they're, they're like very fallible on specific high, high end keywords. Like you can, you can like really scalpel out, you know, a certain subset of keywords for your business, even with massively lower budget. And, you know, there's a, at a, there's a certain point where it's raw numbers, like who has more links, who has more content, who has the better links. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a pretty wide gap between, you know, if you can get enough, enough links, if you can do enough of these other things and you come in with better content, um, you know, where you can grab these rankings. And for me, like with my, with my website, um, the reason I'm able to rank for everything for copywriting is partially because some of the biggest players in the space have been, a little bit dormant for a while. Like Copyblogger used to be a big one. They yeah. owned all the rankings. Um, they've just over the years, like not, you know, they, they've their focus has drifted to other sides of their business um, than the actual Copyblogger content. And so, you know, like the door kind of opened up there. Copy Hackers was a big one for a while, but they've they've never really like dialed in their SEO targeting. Like they make really good content, but they don't really their mm. on-page SEO isn't that strong. Um, and so, you know, like stuff like that, um, like a lot of these players, they don't, they weren't really heavily going after SEO. So I just came in and with every single piece of content I did, I just tried to make it the best online and the most targeted in terms of SEO and was able to get, you know, all these, like a lot of these rankings across the board, which fortunately I still hold, I, you know, it's, I'm, I keep, I keep waiting for the person who's going to show up and just try to like, you know, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's been the most rewarding piece of content that you've created? And then to piggyback that too, well, I'll, I'll pause there. Just let me know, just tell us that. And then I have a follow-up question. Yeah. So definitely, um, I, I made like a really comprehensive guide to building a freelance copywriting business. Okay. And I was originally trying to rank that for how to, um, I think it was, how to be a like how to be a copywriter um mm -hmm. i think that's what it was i think it was how to become a copywriter that's what it was okay. how to become a copywriter yeah. Yeah. um i ranked i ended up getting the number one ranking for that and then all of a sudden one day google was like hey we're gonna take take the top three results for how to become a copywriter and throw them onto the the base word copywriter. And so all of a sudden I went from just being one for number one for mm. how to become a copywriter to being number one for the word copywriter. For the one copywriter. Um, wow. And I've, I've held, I've been in the top three, it kind of cycles up and down um, of that for several years now. Um, so that's, that's obviously, you know, that's a, a one word keyword. That's obviously been a pretty big win. Um, it's hard. I don't, I don't think there's any other piece of content on my site that, that 
does better yeah. than that one. Yeah. Um, okay. And that, you know, that, that was, just, was pretty straightforward, just trying to make the best possible guide I had for someone who was wanting to become a copywriter and, you know, uh, try to help deliver some really practical stuff while also, you know, answering the questions that people come in with. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of a trick when you, uh, you, you guys can probably relate to this when you are, you know, into a career, into a topic of expertise for a while, some of the questions that are important to beginners start to lose importance to you personally. And so trying mm -hmm. to kind of always be conscious of like, what are like the really important things that I know 10 years into this, they need to hear. But also, what are the things that I think don't really matter, but I know they care about? And doing both yeah. of those, you know, combining those, that's a constant struggle for me because it's easy for me to forget the stuff that I don't think is important anymore, but but hmm. everyone else does. Um, but, you know, when you're trying to create any sort of content, mixing those two things of like, how can I give people what they want and then slip in what they need is is kind of, I think, how you make really, really good and effective yeah. content. So it's, it's helping people, but also, you know, being uh performing well for your business or whatever your marketing intent and in creating the content is yeah that's a good that leads into the follow-up because of course you want to create a valuable piece of content that helps people right but what was your end goal with that with like how to become a copywriter like did you have that from the beginning or was it just like oh this will be cool to rank for this and i see a path but then it's just like you know what what next of course yeah you know for your benefit too so I think, I think any piece of content you make, you want to be really clear about what you want it to accomplish. You know, there's, there are millions of, pe of pieces of content that gets made every single day, the vast mm -hmm. majority of which will never bring in any sort of benefit to the person who publishes it. Um, and, you know, the, the only way to skip through that is to be real clear on your intent and design the content to the intent. Um, so with this content, I, I wanted to rank for how to become a copywriter. That was my sole yeah. goal in writing that piece was to rank for that and then get anyone who read it, like to subscribe to my email list, um, okay. or at least, at least take notice of my brand. Um, at the time I didn't have any products. I didn't have like a, like anything that I was any sort of business I was building necessarily on that traffic, but I was thinking I would at some point down the road. And I knew that if I could get my website ranking for a copywriting related term, then anything I was doing to try to bring, you know, leads to my business, it, it just would help me rank for other copywriting terms. So yeah. at the time, my immediate goal was just to rank for that term with the purpose of increasing my overall website authority around the copywriting, you know, topical category. And, you know, it, the way I was monetizing that at the time was ranking, you know, service pages that would then bring in leads to my freelance copywriting business. Um, and then, you know, now the primary way I monetize that particular keyword is through people signing up for my email list and purchasing some of my digital products. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew there was, there was potential for both. Um, and just, I wanted to increase my domain authority around that topic. Okay. I'm curious too, how long did this process take from like ranking and then getting to the point where you're bringing in enough leads and selling products? Because I think, I I mean, unless you did this in less than a year, but of course I just want people to understand, you know, yeah. the, the success is not built overnight. 
you know. So, so back when I first started getting into SEO, um, what I was trying to rank for was, was keywords with clear hiring intent. So that was why I chose professional copywriter because I thought if someone's typing in professional copywriter, they're looking to hire someone, you know, like that's the type of thing you look, you know, and, and I was right. It's just that not, that's not the language people were using. Um, yeah. So when I like from there, what I transitioned to next was trying to rank for website copywriter. So like a specific deliverable um, yeah. I ended up ranking number one for that. And that's when I really started bringing in leads to the site. Um, the actual timeline of ranking for website copywriter was probably like probably like anywhere from three to six months. Okay. Um, I usually say three months is like the minimum amount to get any sort of ranking that like if you potentially can rank for it, three months is sort of the timeline to rank for it. That can vary wildly. It started varying like more recently. I've seen stuff rank quicker um, than they used to. Um, but you know, if you go in, you want to give a little bit of a lead time. Um, that said, this also came off the back end of me ranking for stuff that didn't help me for like a year and a half <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, what I did want to rank for. Um, but once I actually knew the process of ranking for it wasn't that long, just cause not a lot of, not a lot, of, a lot of other copywriters were trying to do SEO, you know? Um, yeah, it was like two or three copywriters who had in the world who had like gone through and made service pages for different cop topical categories and were really trying to do SEO. Um, and yeah. most of them are still ranking today. Like they, like the, the space is just not that competitive. That's why I always recommend, like if you have an, an, a niche that you're targeting, throw up a service page targeting that, you know, that niche, like yeah. take it to 2000 words and, you know, throw a few byline uh, backlinks in there pointing to it and see what can happen. A lot of times it's that simple. Um, yeah. but then from there, once, you know, once I started to look to rank like more general terms, like instead of a, just like a niche, like a, just educational stuff, how to become a copywriter. Um, I actually, the funny thing is when I wrote that article, I put in the article, I'm trying to rank this article for how to become a copywriter. And I think it's going to take me about 12 months to do it. Um, nice. and to 12 or like, I, I think if I said, like, I think it's going to take me like six months to get into the top, like half of the first page and 12 months to get to number one. And I, you know, I talked about earlier how you get a feel for like keyword research over time. Like I was like, I was within like two weeks on all my predictions, like getting it into <laughs> the front page, getting it into the top three and then getting it to number one. Like I literally called my shots on it and it like played out. Like within like literally within 14 days on each of my predictions. Um, so that, that was kind of cool to see. Um, oh, <laughs> man. That actually, it took me a full year to get yeah. the number one spot. Yeah. Man, there's like, there's not a lot of copywriters because everybody else is writing SEO for other people <laughs> instead, of their, <laughs> instead of their own business. Which you, exactly, which man. Taking advantage honestly, of. That, that's how that's how I got all like most of the vast majority of my rankings I got when I, I found out my second kiddo was on the way. Um, I had just I'd been trying to build an agency and then I had just scrapped it because I realized I hated running an agency. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of like, OK, do I just do I just refill this with just freelance work? Um, found out I had, you know, my second kiddo on the way. I was like, I got nine months here to really take a stab at like building my own thing. Um, yeah. and so what I did is the, you know, 
the main client I had had for that agency, I had gone through and got them ranking for every consulting and consultant keyword. So mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, consulting, consultant, how to become a consultant, how to build a consulting business, a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff like that, like across the board, just number, like number one or two for all these keywords. And I was like, I've kind of wanted to do a copywriting course. Why don't I spend like 12 months, make the course, try to rank for like all the copywriting terms, just make content, you know, and, and I had to completely stop freelancing to do mm. that. Like, you know, cause it's so hard when, when the option is get paid immediately and do something for someone so versus yeah. like do something for yourself, hoping it will pay off down the road. <laughs> I couldn't, I never chose myself. You know, I've been wanting to for years. I never did. <laughs> So I just had to cut out all the work and just do it. And I figured, you know, yeah. in 12 months, I'm not like half making at least half my freelancing income. I'll go back to freelancing. Like, you know, no, no big deal. Um, and then uh, wow. got all those rankings. The course was well received. It worked out. And so I kept running with that. But I, I definitely had to do the stop working with clients. And, and, and I think that's why the space is so uncompetitive because everyone else that would want to do that, they got all these people throwing money at them to go, you know, and it, like, yeah, I'd feel you. Demand is strong, man. Like, <laughs> I'm there. It, there's always the procrastination of like, I'll spend some time on myself to do this. And then, you know, you need to pay bills or just like a referral or that email comes in of a new work and you're like, well, Let's take this money and like, work <laughs> on this cool Let's project. This. Yeah. Right. I, I have a dude yeah. this month paying me $5,000 per blog post. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm just sitting here like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to doing my own stuff again. Like, it's, just, <laughs> like it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say no to that, man. Like the demand totally. for, for long form right now is just so strong. It's insane. Yeah. I'm sure so then Dan, it, you can attest to that too. Yeah, for sure. At this point then in your career, are you pretty split? Like, do you, you know, half of your focus is on your products and then half on client work or what does that look like for you today? So for the last three years, it's been probably 90% my, my own stuff. I, I have the, you know, the, the education business. And then I also, I bought some other websites, content driven websites mm. and like was growing those kind of building out a little portfolio. Then I realized I'm too ADHD to run a portfolio. Um, so I decided to cut back and, you know, just kind of go back to just doing my own thing. But then lately I've been realizing some other mental challenge and mental health challenges are making me like constantly feeling like, especially since the pandemic started, like just being, now, there's something about being an entrepreneur that's inherently stressful and kind of like, you know, being mm -hmm. just everything kind of coming down to your own stuff. No matter how many months in a row it works, there's always that part of you that like you never get a clock out, you know, like right. <laughs> weekends aren't weekends. Like you're always thinking about the stuff you got to do. Um, and so I've I've been seriously considering going back in house just for for my mental health and just, just basically to, um, you know, have, be able to clock out for the first time in like 10 years. Uh, I don't know if I will, um, you know, like it'd have to be a pretty unique situation, uh, but I've been doing a little more freelancing work just cause it kind of, it lets me, it helps a little bit. It's kind of that, it's kind of the halfway point to me between yeah. being solely my own stuff and being in a house is like, focus on a client, hit the deliverable, forget about it for like, you know, like a few days and then think about the next thing. But 
I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that. I mean, I, sometimes it's really enticing to go back to like a full-time role, but it would have to be such a good fit after doing something on your own for so long. But it then like, so picky. it really, yeah, does. it really does. And then I would just like a huge caveat if I did would be like, look, I'm going to build my brand and build things on the side. I would just stop doing and chasing client work for my own self. Cause now I have a workload that I know is coming, but then I would hopefully have time to focus on my per the personal stuff. As you said, you almost took a year off to do it, but I mean, that would be the ideal goal where I could like create courses or do things like that. But yeah, again, you get very picky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you really do. I, I think if with remote work being a lot more common now, like yeah. I, think it, I think it changes the game a bit on, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, a, uh, a full-time client is almost just a huge anchor gig, right? You know, yeah. like it, it can be that mm -hmm. if you want it to be, you can still do other stuff. Um, totally. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating world. It, it keeps you, it's always interesting. Like, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm never bored. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. We got some people, hey, Brittany, <laughs> Brittany's saying hi. Um, Annie Stevens is joining us too, watching along on LinkedIn. And she has a question for you, Jacob. Would it be hard to walk away from that amount of money you make in freelancing? Yeah. So because I've built some recurring, you know, product sales streams through my site, like I right now, if I were to take a full-time job, that would keep operating. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot about that that's evergreen. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be walking away from that. And um, if you're if you're just joining now, I... I did walk away from about 20k a month in freelancing income to build that stream in the first place. So I've already I've already been through the process of taking a big pay cut temporarily. Um, earlier in my career, there was a client that I really wanted to. I knew they were going to give me budget to work with in SEO that I hadn't had anywhere else, um, and I wanted to see what I could do. Like if I, mm. I I wanted to use it as a learning experience. So I took I took like a 40% pay cut to kind of make them a semi-exclusive client for a year and see what I could do in SEO. And I learned so much from that that's come back to me, you know, mm. in the form of several hundred K additional money over the last couple of years that like, like I made more in the end. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely used to the feeling of taking, taking a bit of a pay cut or dropped pay to do stuff at this point, any, you know, like there's there's such strong demand that I don't even know that I necessarily have to take a massive pay cut if I was you know if I were to go in house um, there's there's some places mm -hmm. I could potentially get hired at a similar amount to what I'm making freelancing um, and then I'd still have the the income coming in from you know some of the the product streams I've built so but it definitely would have to be a really unique fit I've I've had a few I had a few conversations last year with different companies yeah. that. There was always something that just made it not not worth, you know, transitioning over. Um, but it's just, I think it's just, I think the idea of being able to clock out is probably more appealing than the actual experience of being in house would be, <laughs> which is, which is yeah. why I've been hesitant to actually do it. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. You may think you have all this creative control, if you will, or decision making, and then you don't, and you're like, "This isn't fun." Like, nobody tells you what to do except me. <laughs> right. Grass oh, is always man. greener, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Annie has a follow-up question. She's taking over this show. So congrats, Annie, on that accomplishment <laughs> today. Uh, would you say optimizing SEO content on your site was the best way to get leads for your courses to find you? So, op, you know, so, so creating keyword specific uh, content was both how I built my freelancing business and then later how I built my course sales business. So when, when I was selling my services, I ranked for website copywriter. Um, I ranked for uh, like expert copywriter, professional copywriter. Some of those worked better than others was a topic that we you know discussed earlier in the show. Um, but basically specific deliverables, you know, ranking service pages for those was very effective um, at, at bringing in leads. And that's that's how I grew. That's how I grew my my freelance services business, you know, hmm. to two six figures and beyond. Um, yeah. And then, you know, when I went to do the course, uh, sell courses, it was the same thing, you know, going after, you know, people who are looking to learn copywriting, what are they searching? Throw out blog content that ranks specifically for those things, get them into an email funnel, um, and then, you know, just offer the course as, as part of that funnel. Hmm. Awesome. I'm curious, Jacob, yeah. when you write like a 2000 piece for like website copywriting, how much like research, if you will, because goes into it or and how much of it was just really, I'm going to write my own experiences and then kind of clean it up from there. Because it seems like that's from my perspective. It seems like that's what worked <laughs> compared to like, like, like backlinks all the time or something. Yeah. So, so when I, when I approach a specific piece of content and I'm going to throw a link in the chat um, here, uh, or I guess that's the private, the private chat. Is there a way to get that into the, uh, yeah, I can um, I can share it. Um, so there's so it's just my my website backslash SEO dash copywriting. Um, yeah. that takes that goes through my full process for writing a piece of content and optimizing it for SEO. Um, but the the most important piece of that process is once I have the keyword target, um, I I I Google it and I look at you know once what's ranking, what are the top ten results, why do I think they're ranking you know, which aspects of this are the best. Like I'll look through and I'll see what, you know, what, what's the article at number one doing that the yeah. article at number two is not doing and vice versa. And then I'll just try to, I'll try to think through, I'll, I'll try to take reverse engineer what's good about those pieces and then also find what's missing. And there's always hmm. something missing um, because, you know, there's always more you can do to make something better. Um, when I'm writing content on copywriting, I, I structure it based on like a lesson plan. So I'm, you know, if I, if I had people in a classroom and I was wanting to take them from A to Z on learning, you know, nothing about copyright, knowing nothing about copywriting to like, for example, how to become a copywriter to actually running a copywriting business, what do I need to take them through? What context hmm. do I need to establish? You know, what goals are they thinking about that I need to discuss? Um, what's the first step in that journey? What's the next, what's the sequential steps, you know, that build off of each other. I'm structuring it that way. And then I'm inserting my personal experience into each piece to make it more than just really like dry information to, to, to connect it to like actual experience and connect it to not just my own experience, but experiences I've seen from others. Like, you know, in that piece, I, I have a, an interview with uh, Michal Isakowitz who built her business on yeah. LinkedIn when, you know, I, I never did LinkedIn. I built my business on, you know, or I did LinkedIn, but I built my business through mm -hmm. SEO. Um, she did no SEO and, you know, mm -hmm. was 
doing very great numbers solely through LinkedIn. So stuff like that, where I'm thinking, you know, how can I insert my personal experience to make this a better resource? And how can I go beyond my personal experience? Because a lot of the stuff you'll write over the course of your career will not be connected to your personal experience. So you have to be able to think beyond that and think, yeah. you know, what, what first person sources of data, what, where can I do research to find, you know, things that I don't, I'm not currently aware of. So it's a mixture of all those things. Obviously the more personal experience you have, the easier that's going to be, the faster it's going to be, the more effective it's going to be. And, and that's why I've been able to do a great job on the copywriting terms because I have so much firsthand experience. Yeah. But my, my first, my first journey in, in really ranking for some of these nationally competitive things was for a, a CRO agency. Um, and we were ranking A-B testing stuff. I had never done A-B testing in my life at that point. Um, <laughs> even being a copywriter, none of my clients had ever actually been sophisticated enough to be split testing. Um, but yeah. it was the same process. It was, you know, how can I take advantage of, of actual first, you know, uh, firsthand experts, people who do have that expertise? How can I pull them in? How can I use leverage their understanding to create really helpful pieces um, beyond even, you know, what I know myself? Yeah. That makes sense. So then at this point with all these robust resources out there and ranking for these terms, are you, are you turning away a lot of leads if you're at capacity that you get from these efforts or, or what does that look like for you? Yeah. So a lot of, there's a lot of leads that I just, that don't go anywhere. Um, for a while I tried to like pass, pass those off or, you know, I, I tried a couple different methods, you know, like hiring some people to kind of white label some stuff, um, you, like just passing them off, passing them off for a referral fee, all sorts of things. Honestly, there was no super effective way I found to like really <laughs> take advantage of those. Um, so I mostly just kind of reorganized my site to push push traffic away from the lead pages and or away from the service lead pages and more to the education lead pages. Um, mm. just because I, I wasn't able to do much. And so I still get some that filter through and I'll occasionally pass them to people and like write minds or, you know, things like that. Um, but overall it, it, it's, it's, it's died down a bit because of how I've restructured my site. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. You mentioned right minds in there. And if people who are either somewhat familiar with Jacob or first time here and from him, he has this private copywriting group that's opened up once, once a quarter, you open it up more or so less or every three I, months. I just relaunched it and it's like a, it's a, it's a little different. It's just people can join at any time. Um, okay. If you just Google right minds, you'll, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Terry, you were in it for, for a while. Yeah. It's basically yeah. A, it's kind of a, it's, it's tackling it's a little bit tacking, tackling the educational side and helping people grow, but it's also just sort of freelancing is kind of a lonely ass job, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> having some people totally, who man. do what you do, who you can hop on a call with once a week. Cause I, I need it. Like I kind of yeah. run that group solely like for my own personal, like, Hey, I, I need to talk to other freelancers sometimes. You know? <laughs> yeah. You have a network. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's just a good example because Dan and I have talked about it on this show and then, you know, and, you know, between the two of us off of it, of just like what's going to continue to be or what's next for us to grow our business and, you know, other ways to monetize it, if you will. And yeah. I just think as a solopreneur, freelancer, copywriter, you know, Jacob, you've been a good example 
of like, all right, get good at SEO and then you get this traffic. How can I keep expanding that? And you turn that into a private group, you're turning it into courses and digital products, just showing listeners too what's possible out there, you know, as well. Yeah, it's it's really like when you have distribution, you can kind of do whatever you want. Like, you know, if you if you looked at the people, look at the people on LinkedIn who have like 50k followers, 100k mm -hmm. followers, like yeah. it may seem like the way they're structuring their content and sales is what's making the money. And to some extent, you know, some of them do a better job than others. Um, yeah. But when you have that sort of distribution, you can kind of sell whatever you want. You can make whatever you want. You can sell whatever you want. Like, you know, like when, when you have the ability to get something in front of people and you can offer something they want, you can sell it, you know? Yeah. And so for me, my distribution is SEO. So anytime I have an idea of how I want to pivot my business a little, I have that recurring, hey, there's new people showing up to my site every single month who are interested in this topic. So in, in mm -hmm. any, any place I can pivot that's relevant to those people, um, it gives me that freedom to adjust and experiment with my business how I want. And yeah, it's um, awesome. And so it just it opens up a lot of options. So any, you know, any any effort you can put in to build distribution for yourself is something that you'll be able to draw from and monetize and experiment with for the rest of your career. Yeah. Uh, that's that's awesome. Great point. Absolutely. You can kind of point your offers to that audience you built there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You are a confident person, Jacob, but do you get imposter syndrome? So definitely, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it's been less, it's definitely been less and less over the course of my career. Um, yeah. just because the, the deeper you go in a space, like you become really aware of how little, you know, so like that, mm. that feeds the imposter syndrome a bit, but it's also yeah. the, the other side of that is you see how little everyone else knows, you know, you see how like, <laughs> yeah, people making 10 times more than you are like winging it just as much as you are. They just, totally. they understand one little piece, you know, like they understand this one thing that just creates insane, you know, revenue for themselves. They don't know anything else. They like, they're just like piecing together everything else on the fly. Um, but they know that one thing and they can make it work for them. And so I think for me, I, I realized like, I really understand long form content and ranking long form content and everything else. I feel kind of like an amateur in to some extent, but that one thing, I think I'm probably mm. like top 50 in the world. in, And that gives me, that gives me confidence that I can enter into a conversation around that and feel like I know what I'm talking about, which kind of makes up for the fact that I feel like I don't know anything about anything else, you know? <laughs> uh, that I'm a complete imposter on every other topic, you know, yeah. like, like literally like email copywriting, you know, I've, I've written emails that have made me several hundred thousand dollars. And I still yeah. feel like I don't really understand email copyright. <laughs> I'm like yep. an imposter on that topic. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So it's just, it's kind of a two edged sword. And I, I've, I think I've been able to dial my emotions to, to more feed from the thing I feel like I do know and, and worry less about all the stuff that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's good, though. You also just get to know where to spend your energy to figure it out, some of the stuff that you don't know, too, which is, uh, Absolutely. Which is great. Yeah. yeah, you realize you don't need to know everything. Like, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jacob, we can wrap up, you know, this, uh, you know, again, very insightful, candid interview with you. We appreciate your time. 
Um, you know, Dan, any f final questions, you know, regarding SEO? You know, I think that's it for me, Terry. I think you kind of hit on all the ones I had. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I guess the last thing I would just to give listeners here is just like, what would be, you know, it may sound cliche, but maybe give them like one tool to invest in to help with their SEO. Ooh, that's like a, like a software tool. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that I think keyword research is the hard part of SEO. Like I think mm -hmm. everything else is super easy. If you, if you read that blog post that I linked, like you'll see my on page SEO is like yeah. a five point checklist, like a super <laughs> simple, anyone can do it five bullet points. Um, and everything else about SEO is super easy keyword research. It's hard. It's experiential. You just have to like basically do it to, yeah. to learn it over time. If you are going to go through that process, um, I definitely recommend, uh, arefs, a H R E F S.com. That's I, they're, I think they're the best in, in that vein. Um, I've heard SEM rush can be a little bit more beginner friendly. So if you're, if you're just digging into SEO, that that's, a that's a, another one. Those are kind of the two big ones. Um, okay. so, you know, just understand like you're if you do dive into that and look at the price tag on that, just understand like you don't, you don't mm. need to pay for that tool to, to do SEO. Um, that's for, if you're really going to be, if you're really going to be doing keyword research as a service, you'll need something like that. Um, but the best way to do SEO early on is to just pick a term, you know, pick a, pick a keyword term. The best thing to start with, you know, if, if you're brand new, pick your niche and copywriter. So, hmm. you know, if you do <laughs> copywriting in the finance space, like create a page targeting finance copywriter, you don't need to know anything about keyword research for that. Just follow <laughs> the steps in that, in that article I linked. And it's, it's all, it's all conceptual. It's all just, it's all, you know, thinking and writing common sense. There's no, you know, if you follow the checklist, there's really no create, there's no like specific expertise required. Um, all the expertise is connected to the keyword research. So, okay, um, cool. yeah. Yeah. For those watching, I threw it on the screen here, but for those listening to it's Jacob McMillan, uh, M C M I L L E N.com slash SEO slash copywriting or hyphen copywriting. Sorry. So go check that out. Um, and we'll link that in the show notes as well. But awesome. Jacob, great advice. It's always fun talking with you. It's, you know, a lot of Likewise. lately it's been through tweets, so it's good to see your lovely face again. And uh, <laughs> the last time I saw you, know. I, don't think, I don't think if we're watching this, Jacob has this really nice sleeve tattoo. I forget if you had that back when we talked in the beginning of the pandemic. Unless oh, no, no. I, I, I got if this had in that... January. I, uh, I went oh, back nice. to Columbia, actually, to get this. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, and everybody who is tuning in live, thanks for your questions and in having some conversations with us. Um, for everybody who listens to the Copy Corner, we appreciate you. Go ahead, like, rate, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Um, but yes, Jacob, thanks again for the time. Yeah, thanks for tuning in and doing this for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care.